The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
evening, everyone, and welcome to our City Commission meeting. Uh, I'll call this meeting to order, and if you'll join me to start off with a moment of silence, and then we'll move to a Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Next we'll have roll call. Commissioner Purdue. Present. Commissioner Sassi. Present. Commissioner O'Connor. Present. Commissioner Knight. Present. Commissioner Robbins. Present. Commissioner Moody. Present. Mayor Bliss. Yes. Uh, and before we move to our first opportunity for public comment, and this is public comment specific to agenda items and items we're voting on tonight, uh, I will ask our translator to come forward. So if you do need assistance with translation services, you're welcome to ask. Uh, do we have? Yeah, there she goes. Hi, welcome. Hello. Good evening. Um, my name is Yuvia, and we are pleased to provide Spanish interpretation services this evening. This includes interpretation during the meeting for those who want to provide public comment. Um, buenas noches, me llamo Yuvia. Estamos complacidos de proveer servicios de interpretación en español esta noche. Esto incluye interpretación durante la reunión y para aquellos que quieran proveer comentario público. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, so I'll open up our first opportunity for public comment, and this is public comment that is really specific to items we're voting on today. So earlier today, we had a number of commission meetings and discussed and voted on a number of items. For public comment, we ask that you share your name, the city that you live in. You'll be given up to three minutes to speak. You can come up here to the podium. Um, also, I just want to remind everyone that this is an official city business meeting, uh, and so we do have some rules and expectations for this meeting space. They are listed there on the wall, but we also want to make sure that everyone uh, feels comfortable speaking what's on their mind even if we agree with them or not so we ask that you refrain from using profanity or clapping cheering booing using vulgar language uh, making threats or name calling also this body is here to listen to your comments uh, we're not here to answer questions or to, to debate so if you uh, want to speak with somebody afterwards you're welcome to do that but I want to make sure that you don't expect someone from up here to respond to your questions uh, or comments uh, so anyone here to speak on action items or agenda items? All right, seeing none, I'll close that public comment period and I'll take us to approval of our minutes. These are approval of our minutes from our last meeting, which occurred on January 10th. Commissioners, can I get a motion? So moved. Support. All right, moved and supported. Any questions or comments? All right, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, it carries. All right, that will take us to petitions and communications, and we have two items before us tonight. A communication, sorry, communication received from Dennis Murphy regarding their regarding the homelessness crisis. That is received and filed. And a communication from Kelsey Purdue regarding their resignation from the Community Relations Commission. And that will be referred to Committee on Appointments, which you now serve on. So. Uh, we'll refer that to your committee. Uh, next is reports of city officers. We have two items tonight. Comptroller's report for the period of December 28, 2022 through January 10, 2023 in the amount of $20,532,221.34. That is received and filed. And finally, a treasurer's report for the period of December 28, 2022 through January 10, 2023. That is also received and filed. All right, next that will take us to our consent agenda. So our consent agenda are items that we talked about 
voted on earlier today at one of our standing committee meetings where there was a unanimous vote. So tonight, with one voice vote, we'll adopt those items. Commissioners, can I get a motion for the consent agenda? So moved. All right, moved and supported. Any additional questions or comments? All right, seeing none, all those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? It carries. All right, that will take us to ordinances to be adopted, and we have three ordinances tonight. And on the third one, I'll have a number of motions uh, in order to have immediate consideration, but we'll start with the very first one. It's an ordinance amending Section 1 of the Budget Ordinance 2022-13 for Fiscal Year 2023, Amendment Number 10. So out. Support. All right, moved and supported. Uh, Commissioner Connor from our Fiscal Committee, you want to tell us about this item? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Uh, a few items on here tonight. Uh, item one, uh, Parks and Recreation Department. We're just adding a couple of uh, positions to uh, the full-time rostrum for the Parks and Recreation Department uh, rather than using seasonal employees. It's uh, just been important to add uh, permanent employees to these positions as uh, we want to make sure that uh, the maintenance effort in the parks is uh, consistent and available year-round. Uh, Second item is adding a full-time golf course parks manager uh, to our golf course at Indian Trails. Uh, we're adding uh, to a position uh, at, excuse me, add to the special events department. Uh, we're also adding a special events aid. Uh, we're using uh, some previously allocated grant dollars to uh, work through the Office of Equity and Engagement for the River for All uh, and the Racial Equity uh, and Economic Equity Grant, um, which is a pretty significant grant. We approved that a while ago, but this mm -hmm. is just the, the receipt of the, the, the remaining two-thirds of the uh, grant money. Uh, item six is a, a vehicle reimbursement for the Metropolitan Enforcement Team. Uh, item seven, which is uh, something that I know we continue to talk about, which is the replacement of lead service lines in our community. Uh, just another grant from the EPA for $1.2 million, uh, which will help uh, replace 391 private lead service lines in uh, uh, mostly in the third ward. Uh, the number eight is, uh, which we got an update about earlier today, was the 2022 FEMA Regional Catastrophic Preparedness Grant, which is uh, certainly great, especially as we deal with the change, changes in climate uh, and climate resiliency in our community. Uh, and our contingent balance remains at 2.5 million unchanged. Uh, so this is uh, good news. Great, thank you. All right, commissioners, any questions or comments? All right, this is a roll call vote tonight. Commissioner Moody? Yes. Commissioner Asasi? Yes. Commissioner Robbins? Yes. Commissioner Purdue? Yes. Commissioner Knight? Yes. Commissioner O'Connor? Yes. Mayor Bliss? Yes, it carries. And commissioners, can I get a motion to give this immediate effect? The moved. moved. Support. All right, moved and supported. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? It carries. All right, that will take us our, to our second ordinance to be adopted tonight. That is an ordinance amending Article 2, Chapter 7, Title 1 of the Grand Rapids City Code pertaining to the police and fire retirement system. All right, can I get a motion? So moved. Support. Support. All right, moved and supported. Commissioner Moody, you want to tell us about this item? Yes, I do, Madam Mayor. Since I sit on the pension board, I want to make this very quick and to the point. Thank you. Uh, these amendments in no way will have an impact on the future reliability of the pension system as the city intends to continue to abide by the policies contributed, which is 100% of the recommended annual um, actual calculated contributions. Also, as required by the state law, any benefit change requires a notice to the city uh, and the city board and board of trustees at least seven days prior to the implementation of the change. The city commission board and the trustee boards and the city commission were both notified of these changes via email on uh, October 13 of the year 22 uh, for the International Association of Firefighters Union and on November 28, 22, police officers union. The changes were presented to the city commission committee as a whole on October 18 and December the 6th. 
So this is being presented to us today with the changes. Great. Thank you. And thank you for your service on the pension boards. Mm -hmm. uh, commissioners, any questions or comments? All right. This is a roll call vote tonight. Commissioner Asasi? Yes. Commissioner Robbins? Yes. Commissioner Purdue? Yes. Commissioner Knight? Yes. Commissioner O'Connor? Yes. Commissioner Moody? Yes. Mayor Bliss? Yes, it carries. And can I get a motion to give this immediate effect? The vote. Support. All right, moved and supported. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? It carries. All right, so this will take us to our third item. And so, commissioners, in order to uh, consider this ordinance, uh, can I get a motion for immediate consideration? The vote. Support. All right. All, and that's a that's not a roll call, no, is it? it? All right. All those in favor of immediate consideration of this ordinance, please say aye. Aye. Those opposed? It carries. All right. So I'll ask our city clerk to read the third ordinance before us tonight. This is an ordinance to amend section 2.203 and sections 2.261 through 2.270 of chapter 32, city, um, chapter city stormwater drainage system. All right. Can I get a motion? So, so we'll support. All right, moved and supported. Uh, Commissioner Isasi, you want to tell us about this? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, I just looked up, and there is our city um, engineer, Mr. Berkman, so I know he's also here, gave us quite a robust presentation on this item this morning. Um, I'll read the first part. Um, and uh, really, we're participating in the National Flood Insurance Program, uh, NFIP, um, and it's a federal programming enabling property owners and participating jurisdictions to purchase insurance protection against losses from flooding. Um, being able to participate in the NFIP program is conditioned upon an agreement that needs to be made between a local governing union and, a, and the federal government, um, in which we as a city would agree to adopt and enforce a flood plan, plan management ordinance to reduce those future flood risks. And then the, the federal government makes um, agrees to make that flood insurance available within our body as a financial protection against flood losses for residents. Um, so there has been careful local management of development of these floodplains that has resulted in construction practices that can reduce flood losses and the high costs associated with flood disasters. And I know if anyone has any questions, Mr. Berkman is available. It was a quite of a detailed um, presentation. We'll also see a companion item in the future come to us after the flood map is reviewed with the Planning Commission. So that should be later next month. But this is the first step, and we want to make sure we do this in a timely manner with, um, with the federal agency. Yes, thank you. I think that is a, a good summary. <laughs> uh, commissioners, any questions or comments? All right, and uh, thank you, Mr. Berkman, for being here. So if you are, uh, if you are curious about this item, uh, you are welcome to talk to our city uh, engineer. Uh, but as the commissioner said, additional information about this will come back before us. All right, there's a roll call vote tonight. Commissioner Robbins? Yes. Commissioner Purdue? Yes. Commissioner Knight? Commissioner O'Connor? Yes. Commissioner Moody? Yes. Commissioner Sassi? Yes. Mayor Bliss? Yes, it carries. And commissioners, can I give a motion to give this immediate effect? The most support. All right, moved in and supported. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, it carries. All right, thank you, commissioners. Uh, so next, that will take us to our scheduled public hearing. We do have a public hearing tonight on a project, uh, a redevelopment project at 415 Sheldon Avenue Southeast. Uh, this is a public hearing to consider a brownfield plan amendment for 415 Sheldon Avenue Southeast redevelopment project 415. 
uh, Sheldon Avenue Southeast, and then also a public hearing for the same project to establish a neighborhood enterprise zone uh, for the same development at 415 Sheldon Avenue Southeast. So commissioners, uh, with your approval, just give me a head nod. We'll take both of these public hearings together. Uh, we'll start off with a presentation from our Director of Economic Development, and then I believe we have um, guests here. Is Peter here? Yeah, oh, there. Uh, so we'll hit, we have a guest here uh, who can add some additional information. We can ask some questions, and then if you are here tonight to be heard on this uh, public hearing, I'll invite you to come up afterwards. Uh, so, Mr. Gracia. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. So again, this project is located at 415 Sheldon Avenue Southeast, just uh, south of Wealthy Street. Um, and this project is being supported and recommended to support from a Brownfield TIF and Neighborhood Enterprise Zone. Uh, this project is being put together by w WNS Development LLC, which is um, affiliated with Sella Building Company, which is the new name of you would have known as Bizani Building Company. Uh, the site is currently a vacant lot and is a total construction cost of 14.9 million in hard construction cost and total cost of 17.5 million dollars. Um, the new buildings do include a market rate apartments. Um, f with uh, four studio uh, apartments, 27 one-bed apartments, and 26 two-bed apartments. And the average uh, ranges between 80 to 140% AMI, with again 1,800 square feet of retail space. Estimated, the project is estimated to have eight jobs created with average wages of $17 per hour. This, program, this uh, project has also uh, taken an um, aggressive approach to our inclusion plan which you know, and uh, they've um, put a, a commitment of 17.3% or approximately $2.6 million of the overall construction cost uh, for the project. Um, and again, we're looking at $1.3 million of investment over 14 years for the Brownfield Ultra Activity in a 15-year uh, neighborhood enterprise zone again. This is getting the bonuses that we discussed this morning based on um, the high inclusion plan numbers uh, utilizing MLBE, WBE, and MLBE contractors and adding a cover, covered bus shelter. Um, so the project did receive support from the Seeds of Promise, Mary Freebread, and ICCF. Um, and uh, you should know, and I think some of you attended, the ICCF ribbon cutting at Tapestry Square recently. And those are affordable units basically on the same site. Um, and these obviously are marker rates, so again, meeting our goal of mixed-use development and infill projects uh, right next door to the ICCF uh, project that just opened up. And again, we have a, a representative from Sella Building Company, Mr. Scornay, here to speak as well. Great. Thank you. Let me see if uh, my colleagues have any questions for you, Mr. Gracia. Uh, Commissioners, any, any questions? Go ahead, Commissioner. So kind of in line with the last um, conversation we had on these and you were able to provide the letters of support from the business districts, neighborhood association, CIAs. Sure. So you mentioned Seeds of Promise, ICCF. What was the third one and might we get a copy? Mary Freebed Hospital, yeah. So the right. hospital just right, uh, right, right up the corner there. And is this in Southtown? It is. Yes, it is. Do we know why there hasn't, has the developer engaged with Southtown at CIA. all? And California. Yes. Okay. Seeds of promise. So the seeds of promise is it's one of those areas. Oh yes, I know what you're So it's one of those areas. It's kind of like in the middle of, right? And so uh, the seeds of promise was the nearest neighborhood association, if you will, that uh, was engaged in the process. Okay. I'm thinking about um, the Southtown CIA as well. 
wondering if there's been engagement there. I don't think it's in that. Yeah, Mr. We can speak to that as well. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, and we'll have to look at the lines. I'm not, I don't think it is within those boundaries. It, I, don't, I don't believe it is either. Uh, and I, I do recall this when the project started, right? And uh, the Seeds of Promise being the neighborhood association essentially that would cover this area. Yep. Yeah, exactly. we can we can pull up the map and and find out for sure. But yeah, I don't but think it, but again, uh, engagement there and, and um, sorry, letters of support that are required for the it does appear enterprise. that it is at the northern. I mean, it it is it's the last property in the South Town CA according to the map we have published on our website. Okay, we'll we'll double check. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Those lines would, are weird over there. Uh, would like uh, Mr. Scorney is here to to speak as well as if, if there's no other questions for me from the commission. You know, my, my only question uh, is, and and maybe this is, uh, I don't know who is best to um, respond to this. I'm curious for parking. There's a lot of parking, and I know even the new ICCF building has parking, as well as the the projects over behind the Big B. Yeah. Is there going to be shared parking? So Mr. Scorner will speak to that okay. as well, specifically. Okay. Perfect. Sounds good. All, All right. right. Well, uh, why don't you come forward, uh, Peter, and we'll have... You share some additional information, and then I'll see if there's additional questions around this table, and then we'll open it up uh, for those tonight who are here to be heard on this public hearing. Go ahead. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity to speak. We're um, very excited to reach this important milestone in our in our project. Um, a couple of things to add. Uh, this project started with a conversation with ICCF um, and their recognized need for market housing. ICCF is, of course, a very important housing provider in that area. And, um, and we've been having ongoing discussions with Mary Freebed um, about the need for housing uh, for their for their employees so this was a perfect opportunity to uh, to meet both of those needs um, one other thing that I would add as a as a builder and a developer this this project will uh, fit within the the um, uh, guidelines of the 2030 district which uh, Grand Rapids is a is a member of it will be an all-electric building ah. uh, so we're not using any natural gas in the um, in the operation of the building there will be some gas involved in the construction of the building because our our equipment uh, for the most part is still operated with gas but once the construction is done it will be it will be all electric um, and uh, the importance of the brownfield, as was addressed earlier in the meeting uh, for uh, flood remediation, um, the, the brownfield helps us take care of some of the uh, things associated with this site. And that is dealing with contaminated soil, helping with on-site stormwater uh, detention, and improvements to the public infrastructure. All right, I'll open up for questions. I, my first question. Uh, this this will be one of the few all electric buildings. Is that right? Correct. Do you do you know off the top of your head how how many others exist in the city? I don't have a thorough count. Okay. I know it's at least the third because it will be the third one that we have done. I know. <laughs> I don't know if any other. I know there's one developer talking about doing one, um, but hasn't started that project yet. So maybe I'll ask uh, Miss Sutter to follow up on that. Probably be good for this body to know. Um, all right, questions, commissioners? Uh, Commissioner Moody? Uh, can you, uh, thank you for this. I wanted to find out, give me a little bit more detail about the 57 market rate apartments in terms of when you say 57 market rate, can you tell me what the rate is right now? 
Yeah, yeah, and that has changed a little bit in the development of it, um, and depending on how you define the number of people in the apartments, um, we have for studios and one bedrooms that would be for one or two people, we define that by uh, looking up, it's uh, the 80% uh, AMI rate, taking that times 30% and uh, for housing cost per month and then just comparing that against our our rent. And what will that be? Oh, golly, and I had my facts um, uh, printed out and bring them. We range from... Um, Yeah, eleven seventy-five to sixteen for a uh, or fifteen thirty-one for, um, for our it. studio and one bedroom. Is that the lowest? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My biggest concern is that the area in which this is going to be located uh, is a area where uh, a lot of poverty exists among people. And I was just concerned about families when we were talking about homelessness and people needing a place to cover their head with that kind of rate. It would be difficult for a person who makes less than $2,400 a year to be able, well, that's a month, but that's something to make less than that to be able to afford to live in that kind of apartment, especially if it's a 20, especially if you have what you're saying is a four. Uh, studio 27 one bed uh, and 26 two beds uh, it'd be very difficult for a family who really needs a home to be able to stay in this building so is there any way that you can make it marketable uh, less for people to live in um, based on the the our um, our funding for the project is a combination of support from the city which we're here to request tonight which helps in the um, in the in the operational cost with the brownfield. We get that money back over a term, and the NEZ is helps with our property tax. So that greatly helps the operation of the project. We're getting funding support, requesting funding support from the state, in the terms of an MEDC loan. That reduces the amount of um, uh, uh, equity that the owners are are putting in. We balance that with the with with construction cost. That's what gets us to our rate. Um, the uh, we are not using a mechanism for additional support for affordable housing, um, uh, like a LIHTC program. Some of the tools that an ICCF would use. Um, again, in our conversations with ICCF, they recognize this as a need for the uh, for the neighborhood, and then conversations with Mary Freebed that in terms of what we are charging, and they felt that those were reasonable rates for their employees. For employee workforce housing. Yeah. Uh, Commissioner O'Connor? Yeah, and uh, I think that's important. I think uh, Mr. Gracia alluded to that, correct? That this, I mean, understanding the location of this project, right? This is a, pro this is a piece of ground I think uh, ICCF has owned for quite a number of years until I think there used to be a bar sitting on that corner 25 years ago when I moved to Grand Rapids. But, uh, you know, it's been a vacant piece of ground in our community for, for some time. Excuse me. If you look at where, you know, historically speaking, the concentration of our low-income housing tax credit credit projects have happened in Grand Rapids, it is along the South Division corridor between Fulton and Wealthy. 
And so I think as a community, we've been, and as, you know, a study of the urban environment, we recognize that a concentration of uh, one type of housing isn't good for any neighborhood, that you need a diversity of housing uh, price points and types and, and uh, accessibilities throughout a neighborhood. And so we've seen a significant influx of low-income housing tax credit projects along the South Division Corridor. And so I think even ICCF is, a, you know, one of the best uh, low-income housing uh, developers in our community recognizes that having some market rate mix into that is important. That that having a you know it, it's it's we just celebrated the Tapestry Square, which was a low-income housing tax credit project, which is directly across the street from this project. And so I think this is a you know, this is an important component of having a, a diverse neighborhood with diverse uh, housing price points. We you know there's there hasn't been market rate housing developed on the South Division Corridor to any extent over the, the, the course of the last 20 years. And so I think this is an important mix as you try to, you know, we're trying to bring development. And I think that's, you know, with the, the Silver Line, the Transit Corridor, the South Town Plan, we're trying to, you know, I think it's, it's been the city's uh, desire to want to see development and to see redevelopment happen down that South Division Corridor. And, and I think this is an, a, a key component of moving that, um, that development to the South and indicating that maybe there's more appetite for market rate housing in the in the South Division corridor. Yeah, and that that was part of the conversation even when we were doing the corridor plan for division. Mayor, uh, city manager. Per perhaps Mr. Gracia could give more insight on the neighboring project that has um, more affordable housing units than the 57 market rate units that are being discussed. Yep, so I do have the information in anticipation of the question about what the rates are at ICCF uh, for the Tapestry Square. So again, 56 units at the Tapestry Square project, 50 of those are affordable and financed through the LIHTC credit. So there are six market rate apartments within the Tapestry Square development that just opened. Those ranges, again, because of the LIHTC, as we discussed this morning, range from $400 up to $1,600. So the market rate apartments are between $1,250 and $1,600. So that is aligned very similarly to what we're talking about um, for these uh, market rate apartments that will be next door that are not supported by any LIHTC program. So the importance of the LIHTC makes a significant difference in the affordability of the uh, project immediately adjacent to this. But again, so the um, support we've got that the developers received, <clears throat> excuse me, from ICCF, and again, our goals of mixed income neighborhoods and housing is why we believe this is a uh, good project. Okay, that's helpful. All right, commissioners, any additional questions before I open it up for individuals who are here tonight to be heard? All right, thank you. Thanks. All right, so if you are here tonight to be heard on this project, uh, you are welcome to come forward. Again, we ask that you share your name, the city that you live in. You'll be given up to three minutes to speak. So this is specific to this request by the project uh, for this project development at 415 Sheldon. Good evening, Lucas, First Ward. Uh, so as I'm apparently going to make a habit of pointing out, this project aims for 6.9% minority-owned involvement, while our population consists of 47% minority, and 6.9% women-owned involvement, while our population is 52% female. So these numbers are way too far apart, but they're better than the ones from two weeks ago. So I'll give them that. 
they only plan to offer four units supposedly below 80% AMI at the ridiculous estimate of 1175 for a 417 square foot studio like we just heard. Um, Mr. O'Connor, I appreciate the diversity of housing comment, but I don't understand why that come in, can't come in the same building. Why does the other building have to be the only one with a diversity of housing and this one gets to be high dollar? Um, if the personal income of anybody building or developing in this town is higher than 75k per person to me, they have room to take a cut and serve the community better. Uh, I do think we deserve more info. I'm hoping the gentleman has it on what the ICCF development offers and if there are any that are 20 to 30% AMI, as we've covered many times in this room, is really where we have to be to fix the problem. You say $600, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was 600 bucks for a 300 square foot IKEA demonstration room, right? So uh, let's get more specific. I'm a little concerned in the mayor, I, I thought you were going here, but you didn't really play this out, so I will. 57 housing units and retail, but only 30 planned parking spaces. So this is offloading additional parking to corporate welfare for street parking, parking and a dodgy transit system that we don't have total control over. Uh, even I have some blind spots on my understanding of Brownfield, but I'm serious when I praise Mr. O'Connor for laying that out for us and speaking up last time. Um, I'd like to learn more about how much of it exists versus how much it was just available to developers to like slide in like an economic DM. Um, there needs to be a little bit more transparency about how that works. It's kind of low-key inside baseball for the financial benefit. Um, I don't know a lot about the neighborhood enterprise zone yet, so I think this would be a nice time for somebody to discuss that instrument, much like you did with Brownfield. Uh, inform people about how much of that is noble versus just more of the same routine of business attaching to the government teat. Uh, they accuse a lot of us about you know having takers in the liberal movement, but I'm seeing a lot of taker discussion in these kind of proposals. Uh, it really seems like these projects need to have more scrutiny. Again. I'm not going to just crap on this one. It's the whole system. It's awfully permissive. Uh, it lacks a lot of tough questions, but I appreciate that you guys have answered more of the, asked more of those questions. GR just needs to stop being the beta bottom in these, these negotiations. Like, stand up for yourself, stand up for us, and stand up against the banks and the corporate investors. Thank you. All right, others wish to be heard? Mark from Grand Rapids. Here we go again. I understand the brownfield money and all that stuff, but come on. 80 to 140% AMI. Not even the employees of Mary Freeberg can't afford that. I understand that they want to create Langdon's loss. That, I'm, I don't have a problem with it, but the way it has been discussed, that's a red flag to me. Nobody's not going to spend nearly 1200 bucks for a studio unit. That's insane. You're trying to be San Francisco, where you have the same amount of square miles as Grand Rapids, but dwellings that are astronomically priced, 
And unlike Grand Rapids, Frisco is not kid-friendly. You better think about this. Because if it goes up, the only people who can afford it are the people who go come into Grand Rapids looking for a place to live with big money and deep pockets. While the residents who've been living in that area for years, we priced out and shipped out to places where they don't want to be at. And that will be a big problem. And you don't want that to happen. Because these developments, you're getting the big investors, are getting too much. And chaos is going to be just around the corner. Thank you. All right, thank you. Others wish to be heard? Hi, welcome. Hi, I'm Ebony, I'm resident of Grand Rapids. I don't even know where to start. I see the thing, the plan, and it says it's going to get eight jobs available at seventeen dollars an hour. I can barely afford to stay in the place I'm at now, and I make nineteen. So how is seventeen dollars going to afford a place like that? And it says I keep seeing you guys keep allowing people to come in the community and build these so-called affordable homes. We have no room to for families that got three, four, five in a family, because you're only letting them build two. They're coming in just to build a studio, one or two bedrooms. Where's affordable housing for three, four bedrooms for us? Yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't even know where to begin with it all, but that, that shouldn't be approved. I don't know if you all know that area, seeing the people that live in that area, that's that. It's just not right. No one can afford that price. Not in that area at all. We need something more affordable to keep our people in the community, and not keep pushing us out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. All right. Others wish to be heard. How you doing, everybody? My name is DeAndre Jones. I stay here in the city of GR. Uh, I like the project. I like it because it's a sustainable project. It looks like it's going to be like a LEED certified platinum project or a LEED certified uh, type of project. I always talk about sustainability and renewable energy, and I like that it's on the south side. It's the third ward, the least invested side of the city, where they only put $19 million over a year span. Um, and. I just like that we'll have uh, some more units for people to stay in, but I don't just think that it's affordable for people, for people on the south side, for people that grew up in the hood. Like, it's a beautiful site and I like it, but can y'all just work on the affordability of it? Like, I would like to see sustainable, renewable energy power homes that people could afford in the hood, that people can go and live a living a beautiful property on the south side it's nothing to really be proud of it's not a lot of development 
um, that people can be proud of. And some of those development projects are still in the works. And um, I seen that earlier, that it's a lot of investment, um, a lot more investment than I expected in the third ward. But I just like to see sustainable, renewable energy powered uh, homes, apartments, uh, these studios, that, that's pretty expensive. Uh, what about, you know, parents and young parents? What about the, the women and the young black African-American men that uh, have the, that stand in lead paint homes? What if they need a home there and they can't afford it? I like the project. I really truly do like this project, but I just wish that it's, it was just more affordable. And I just wish that um, that you guys could try to work something out to make it more affordable for people on the south side. Because people tired of struggling. People tired of struggling. It's inflation. Uh, it's serious out here. Poverty is serious. Some of y'all don't walk over there on the south side. It's cold outside. But people like me walk out there on the south side still to this day. Still dreaming dreams. Still dreaming of changing the city. Still dreaming of you know creating economic change. I posted all of the slides from the economic development uh, um, briefing earlier today. You can get on my Facebook and look at it. Like, I'm really serious about this. I, I really want people to be able to afford a beautiful homes, these beautiful apartments that this city is building. These are going to be beautiful. ICCF does beautiful homes. Those homes are gorgeous, but I just wish that people of color would be able to feel the, you know, the beauty. You know, we the white people are going to be affording these homes. People that have good paying jobs, almost six figure jobs, are going to be able to afford this. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. Jones. All right. Anyone else who wishes to be heard on this um, public hearing? Mayor, you combine two hearings. Does <clears throat> that mean that we can ask for a little more time? No. And thanks for the Thank opinion. Uh, anyone else who wishes to be heard on this item? All right, we're going to close that public hearing, and that will be referred back to the Committee of the Whole. All right, that will take us to our last opportunity for public comment. So if you're here tonight to be heard on any other item, you're welcome to come up. Again, same rules apply. We ask that you share your name, the city that you live in, and you'll be given up to three minutes to speak. How you doing, everybody? My name is DeAndre Jones, again, or D. Jones, whatever you prefer to call me. Uh... I'm happy to be here because I ran into my state senator. This is actually my state senator in my district, and I like to talk to my politicians, and I like to educate people to talk to their state representatives, their county commissioners, their city commissioners, because people will stay on their side of town, and they swear they know everything, but then when those important things that affect their everyday life, they don't know those people that create those changes every day, and so it's cool to run into my state senator. I knew he ran against David Legrand, and I seen that he won, so I was like, hey, I got to go talk to that guy. But... Uh, I will, um, I like to talk about the work that I've been doing, uh, with Kent District Libraries and a couple different, uh, communities across Kent County. So I went to Granville because I used to stay in Granville. Uh, when I used to, uh, sell cannabis because I was on SSI and I wanted to get money and my mom used to argue with my mom about checks and stuff like that and my crib got raided and my high school basketball coach took me in and she stayed in Granville. So I stayed in Granville. So I went to go speak to the Granville, uh, public schools about esports and just, you know, creating change over there and expanding my ideas and just, uh, my vision. Uh, I got to speak to, I actually went to the bar. It was crazy. I went to the bar. 
I was just really trying to go over there, vibe, turn up, dance, see some fine girls, and just kick it, to be honest. And then I ended up running into a principal over there on the east side uh, from Cario. She was like, I was like, hey, do y'all got esports over there? She said, no, we don't. I was like, well, can I help you guys build an esports program in your district? And she was like, yeah, send me some information. It was crazy. But also, I got to present esports yesterday to uh, GRPS, and I got to progress with that. And now we're actually going to go to an esports facility where we'll all be able to connect and see esports firsthand. I'm pretty excited about that because um, I'm a visionary. I, I got a a global vision and I believe that I can contribute to the economy. I believe that for generations to come that I can be able to help the youth, the next generation of youth, uh, people now, people that love gamers, uh, people that want to um, do cool and creative things. Um, I'm really working and striving towards that every day and just staying authentically myself, uh, not changing who I am or pretending to be somebody that I'm not and I'm working towards it every day and it's coming to fruition. I got to connect with Bank of America. I got to talk to him about esports. I got to connect with the guy who handles real estate for Bank of America and talked about esports. And then he asked me to send him information so we can build an esports program in his wife's district. Like, it's crazy. You know, I'm black, I'm African-American, and I'm actually being able to change the infrastructure. We're going to do a stress test at KDL um, where I can bring my video game or my TV and I can come over there and play um, any game that I want to so we can help change their library's infrastructure, their Wi-Fi, the equipment that they'll need to build the esports program. So I'm really excited you guys will be seeing me a lot and I will be contributing to the economic uh, uh, situation of our city and I can't wait. Have a good night. Thank you, Mr. Jones. All right, others wish to be heard. Good evening. My name is Nalisha, and I'm a resident of Wyoming. I'm here because I would like to say that homeless lives matter. But as a person who has lived homeless experience, homeless lives don't matter in Grand Rapids. I was homeless. I lost my apartment five years ago. I reached out to the Salvation Army's housing assessment program eight times within a 14-month period. I have been a victim of familial discrimination repeatedly. So in addition to having lived homeless experience, I have, I have conducted a substantial amount of research against the Salvation Army. And this is not an isolated incident. I haven't seen my daughter in almost four years because I had reached out to the Salvation Army for a third time when I was homeless with my child. September 17th, 2018, I was literally homeless at a Burger King. And I was told in order to receive assistance that I would have to sleep outside with my, excuse me, sleep outside, which meant that I would have to sleep outside with my 13-year-old daughter. People who are unhoused are at risk of being victims of bias-motivated hate crimes as well as sexual assault. I had no support system in Kent County. I had to send my daughter to her paternal family members in another city. I have been a victim of parental alienation, racism, discrimination, you name it, I've been a victim of it. The Salvation Army owns $11.3 billion in assets, collectively speaking. In 2021 or 2022, they grossed $4.2 billion so it's not a matter of insufficient funds to fight homelessness. It's a matter of insufficient funds being allocated to fight homelessness. 
and I have yet to see the Salvation Army held accountable for the familial discrimination that I was subjected to repeatedly. I have my homeless management information system filed from the Coalition to End Homelessness, as well as the Salvation Army, and there are lies, omissions, and inaccuracies from the Salvation Army. So as a mother seeking refuge for my child and myself, and to be told that I will have to sleep outside. I have followed the chain of command from Grand Rapids to the United Kingdom, and I have yet to see accountability. They failed to adhere to HUD's criteria for defining homeless when I qualified for three out of four categories. My child qualified for the McKinney-Vento program, and I was still denied. I have been speaking out. I have spoken to hundreds of people on social media. I've spoken to people in Grand Rapids. And it's time for nonprofit organizations to have oversight and accountability because I never should have been separated from my child. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Okay, still Lucas, first ward. A uh, quick note of thanks to Mr. O'Connor and Mayor Bliss, uh, each of you for taking coffee meetings and establishing some common ground. I'm looking forward to building on that. A year ago, I set foot in this chamber the first time to ask some hard questions about police chief finalists. I had only been here for six months and planned not to attend every commission meeting. On April 4, everything changed. I've attended more meetings here than the prior two decades in my life. I want you to think about the major events of 20 years and how GR topped that in eight months. This is a wonderful city. We got many issues, but there's a lot figured out. I like to tell people back home that GR has sewers four times older than the metro government of Nashville, but they both smell the same. The reality is we are out of patience and out of trust. Theocratic nationalists and wealthy sociopaths throw tantrums at their looming reckoning, and they seem like they are in an endless effort to attack the unhoused. You didn't have to give oxygen to the lies of the Grand Rapids Chamber and those few that signed on with them, but you did. I say few because while only about 100 of them spoke up, you acknowledged the receipt of about 600 letters in opposition, and I would think that that scoreboard speaks volumes about who deserves a seat at the table. You set the tone and you choose the ways that the discourse will go, and now you've spent a month doing damage control on that chamber trash that you never needed to entertain or give a spotlight to. Nothing is as bad as any side of the culture war makes it out to be. I'll admit that. I know that's a statement that will piss off a handful of people all around, and I've never really cared about people that had their feelings hurt by hard truth. The right and left need to stick in their skin and grow up. Is everybody in the chamber letter evil? Nah. Some are. They see only trash to be swept out of the way of capitalism. Some are just dumb. They don't know current laws, they never had the curiosity to find out, and they fell for the ruse of the suggestion that those ordinances were somehow humane. Some, are, some of the dumb ones even include people who apparently work in PR and they were stupid enough to sign on to beat up on the poor at Christmas time. Some are just lost in a fog of aloof libertarian disregard for other humans. Between that foolishness and this government ignoring warnings that GRPD would eventually kill someone, we all have to come here and push you to be better. And as I've said before, because of us, I think you are better leaders. I don't pull punches when people should know better. We don't live in those times anymore. I can like you. I can have coffee with you. I'm willing to tell you when you're screwing up. 
Like a lot of people here, I'm just trying to defend against the nefarious operators that seek to oppress people for their own gain. And all of this brings me to one of my favorite movie lines from Jules in Pulp Fiction. I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Thank you, Lucas. All right, others wish to be heard? Hi, Mark back again. Last meeting, one of the... Uh, Sure supporters said, said that America is in chaos. She's right about that. We are about to be in a crisis. In Florida, the hedgehog, Ron DeSantis, is on his way to eliminate black history altogether in Florida. Because he feels that white people would be uncomfortable talking about black history. And furthermore, two years from now, he's going to be running for president of the United States. Not good. And in addition to that, a group called Moms for Liberty is going around all over the country trying to get rid of every single black superintendent in all the school districts. They, they accomplished in South Carolina. But I'm going to give a word to these individuals. Don't come to Michigan pulling that crap. Now here in Grand Rapids, and especially now in Detroit. And I'm sorry, I almost had to say this, but I'm going to say it. If you pull that stunt like you did in South Carolina here, and especially in Detroit, you are going to get your ass whooped. Okay. We don't play that game here. Mark, watch your language. So you better go somewhere else with it. That is why we have to continue to mobilize and vote. Not two years from now, mobilize right now. Because if not, you will have an individual who wants to give it of black history entirely. Because he feels that the Underground Railroad aligns with critical race theory, which is not. So be ready, because it's going to happen. Remove J. Edgar Hoover's name from the FBI building. Remove George Wallace's name from Tillamook, Mobile, Alabama. Justice for Patrick Leorda. And recall Ron DeSantis. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Others wish to be heard? Thank you. Good evening, uh, Mr. Washington and members of the ICP and new, uh, new commissioners. My name is Rob Metzger. Uh, I'm here for 312 Prospect Northeast, and I live uh, on Kennesaw and East Grand Rapids. Uh, I am here tonight in something strange for the city in that I'm here to hold myself accountable. Uh, 
I don't want to be here, actually. Most people don't know it, but every time I set foot here, I actually do so at risk to my life. A longer story, but I can also uh, directly, um, at some point in the future, attend to that because it's a hazard in this city. Uh, spinal cord injury, uh, hyperreflexia. So if I go down, it'll be, a, it'll be a stroke. It won't be a heart attack. I'm here because I have a ethos in that I do not have the right to complain unless I have at least one solution. So I actually put up five. Uh, I'm at the point where I have tens, if not hundreds of millions of reasons to hate your guts. But I'm here anyway because I love this city more than I hate you. I, I have... I'm trying to figure out how the best way to say it, but my experience is that this city breaks the rules for some and you smack the rest of us with petty rules and arbitrary enforcement. And that's tyranny since none of you learned your history. So I'd like to ask you to grow up and find your integrity or step down as that level of hypocrisy is too epic for most of us to swallow anymore. I'm here with an additional demand in those five demands I put together for you, and that is that everybody on this commission be required to read the ordinance once per year, as well as all city managers, because we deserve better than useful idiots, which is all we've had for 30 years that I can attest. I'm going to come back in December to follow up on these demands. I hope to see some significant progress on them. Uh, if not, then I expect the answer to two questions from all of you. How do you sleep at night with the lives you destroy because of your fecklessness and incompetence, your duplicity and your tyranny? It is a requirement to be a social path to work for this city. I'm done, Madam Mayor, but please don't thank me for my comments. You and I have had interactions now for 18 years, and you've dismissed me every single time from the beginning. And the one thing I've learned about this city is it defines depraved indifference, and you own that now. The rest of you stop patting yourselves on the back of how great you're doing or what you're going to do and start demonstrating it. Do better. Be better. Amen. All right. Others wish to be heard? My name is Donnie, and I'm a Grand Rapids Rapidian for the last 30 years, right? I come up here today so I can talk about um, this upcoming fiscal year budget. Now, one of the things, one of the things that we're guaranteed throughout these last fiscal year budgets is that the 49507 gets left out. It's time to make a change on that. It's time to make a change so that we can hold our police accountable. It's time to make a change so that we can make further hold our community to a higher standard. So I've been going and participating in these community uh, meetings, right? Getting together with individuals, trying to brainstorm as to what we think when we reimagine Grand Rapids for ourselves, what that looks like. And a lot of people are getting caught up on, a lot of people are getting caught up on percentages and dollar amounts. But if we're putting percentage and dollar amounts above 
caring and putting resources into the hands of people who need them, then what are we, what are we actually doing other than nursing funds, sitting on funds? It's 39% is how much of the city funds goes to Grand Rapids Police Department. If 39%, if Grand Rapids Police Department is the only, is the only uh, uh, programs here that keeps up with the means of the rate of inflation since 1990, then it's only fair to assume that we can reverse and change that, right? They've gotten the most money for decades. It's not helping and it's not working. So in order to continue to make sure that our community is going to thrive, then we need to start putting more, forth more money into mental health care, into addiction therapy, into actual affordable housing that's going to save people before they go homeless and after they go homeless. Right? To reinsure that that's also going to be a possibility that GRPD doesn't damage the community here anymore, we need the community is, de is demanding that they have their own liability insurances. If doctors can accidentally kill somebody on the clock and they still have to pay for it, GRPD should be able to pay for it. They have more than enough money to pay for the lives that they take. Justice for Patrick Leoya. Justice for Patrick Leoya. All right, others wish to be heard. I'm Casey from the Third Ward. I got the best, best letter from the city. I'm getting my lead pipes replaced. And guess what? First, after your specialist told us that we don't have lead, only in the paint, and then they told us that we don't qualify, only if your kids are under five, and then they said, well, we can only replace it from the road to the sidewalk, but the sidewalk to the tap, that's your, your landlord's responsibility, so we'll see, right? And here it says you're actually going to replace it on my whole street and you're going to replace not only from the street but all the way to the tap and then you're going to repair it for a year for the landlord. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. So Ottawa County, you guys have been watching what's happening in Ottawa County? They changed their motto. Instead of where everyone belongs, it's where freedom rings. Then they eliminated their, their diversity and inclusion group. So they also, it was privately owned, privately funded, completely privately funded, but they voted not to give that money back to the private donors. Uh, they also defunded their libraries and schools. And then they fired one of their commissioners Offer it out of nowhere. No, they just instantly fired them. And guess who they hired? John Gibbs. Doesn't he live in Kent County? And you know what they say while they look us in the face? It, it sounds strikingly similar to you guys, actually. We're doing a lot. You just don't see it. It's not illegal. <sighs> 
With Grand Rapids being projected as the number one city, as Detroit's population continues to decrease and Grand Rapids continues to rise, you make it blatantly obvious over and over that how you want to run that is as a business and that the, po the population itself doesn't matter. You can tell by the way that you put $900,000 into the golf course on Kalamazoo and 28th, and then you put $1.2 million into the unhoused population as a whole. Golf course, unhoused population as a whole, but which one creates more revenue? But you can't give the unhoused somewhere to live because that'd be enabling, but you can give them tickets and you can arrest them because that will create revenue. Be less like Ottawa, do more steps like this, and give people hope, right? You have the authority, we don't, and we've been saying the same thing over and over and over. Some of you are new here, some of you are giving us hope, but like, let's see what you can really do with it, aside from like, show face. Like, go all the way from the street to the faucet. Justice for Patrick. All right, others wish to be heard? Good evening, um, Mayor, our city manager, Mark Washington, and all of the constituents. My name is Sarah Hampton, and I'm the resident of I'm a resident of Third Ward. I'm here. Um, this is real personal for me. Um, um, it's involving the um, amending the property maintenance code to inspect rental homes built before 1978. First, I'd like to say one of my dearest friend's daughters, three years, three years old, four, died of lead poisoning. And what concerns me, I was, I attended a meeting, I think it was January 5th, where um, they invited uh, property owners, I'm a property owner, there were, developers there and this was discussed. I'm very concerned because of the um, those that were there that did not want to participate or did not want um, to amend the property maintenance code for this to abate this lead. So I was very concerned about the lack of support to amend this property code. So we're talking cost and life here. So maybe, you know, um, there needs to be some education on what this does to our children. Um, how it affects the body and the growth it can cause it causes problems with your nervous system, kidney damage, learning disabilities, ADHD, speech, lots of issues with our youth. I was really quite surprised. I understand there's money involved, but the landlords are paid from what I'm hearing. The rents are just really out the box, right? So why can't we use some of that money 
to abate this lead hazard. We're talking lives here and children. So then I went a little further and um, there are, I guess 49507 has a high concentration of lead. So what is the problem here? I really thought I was going to go in there and we were going to discuss this. It's okay, yeah, we're going to change this. But that was not what I was faced with. So as a concerned Ms. citizen... Ms. Hampton, and, I'm oh sorry, Lord. your time's up. Your time's up. Thank you okay. for your comments, though. Really appreciate it. Thanks. All right, anyone else who wishes to be heard? Welcome, Senator. Good evening, Madam Mayor and Commissioners. Thank you for this opportunity to address your body. Um, it's my pleasure to uh, say hello and uh, to be proud to represent this new 30th district, which includes everything in Grand Rapids north of Fulton Street. Uh, I'm excited to uh, assume this role and responsibility in uh, Lansing. Uh, if, for those of you who don't know me, I was a mayor of Walker, so I've been where you are, and I think that's probably one of the things that uniquely differentiates me from others in Lansing is that I try to work together, and um, I've always been one to be one to work in a bipartisan fashion. I look forward to representing the city of Grand Rapids, as well as the rest of my district, which starts all the way out in Allendale and Coopersville, goes all the way across the city of Grand Rapids, Walker, includes Rockford, as well as Cascade, Ada, Grand Rapids Township, and Plainfield Township. So I just wanted to say hi, and uh, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, and thank you for your service. We're Glad to have you uh, as a strong voice on Lansing for us. And Madam Mayor, is, is it possible that you can come back and send her to tell everybody who your name is? Because everybody here oh, might not know who you, you are. thank you, Commissioner Moody. Commissioner, th thank you. Senator, please introduce yourself. Sure. Sorry that. My name is Mark Heisinka, uh, mayor, uh, the senator for the 30th District. Yeah. Former mayor of Walker, who I had the... the Walker mayor, and I was a state representative before I was in the Senate, so... Yeah, I know who you are, but I want to make sure somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Senator. Thank you. All right. Uh, with that, we'll close that public uh, comment period, and I will turn to my colleagues, and I'll start down here with uh, Commissioner Purdue. Great. Good evening, everyone. Whew. Those are some heavy stories you all shared today, and I thank you all for uh, participating, uh, for sharing and giving us um, a lot to think about and to consider. Uh, I think one of the, the biggest challenges of kind of serving in this seat is um, not only deconstructing what isn't working, but trying to reconstruct a new reality, what can work, right? And you all brought up a lot of really great tensions even earlier today in our conversation around the potential lead ordinance, around housing, um, and particularly with housing. And I've been saying this a lot, particularly in the last year um, when I was campaigning, that it's such a tension point because housing really is, and property and real estate ownership is a wealth building strategy, right? So it is about profit, but it's also a basic human right. And so those two ideals are often in conflict. And we are tasked with your cause for accountability, your support, your ideas, your thought partnership to figure out how to uh, find some synergy um, to find some, some solutions that work for all of us. Because um, right now we know that what's, what we have now is not currently working for all of us. So just wanted to you know, just acknowledge that um, and thank you all for, again, sharing some really real, heavy, uh, serious uh, stories. 
Um, last week or last meeting, we talked um, quite a bit about housing, and I heard you all say tonight, um, I, heard, I had some conversations in the hallway around oversight and accountability, and that's something that we brought up at, the, at this body of how do we have a lot of folks at the table who have really critical roles within our housing systems that are not necessarily always living up to um, kind of that, that role that um, is understood or should be. And so I know that I've heard around this table that we're committed to exploring that further and hoping to do that together. Um, also, I just want to highlight a few, um, you know, I'm, this is my second meeting uh, in this seat, and so I'm about one month in, woohoo, and I have had the opportunity to vote on some things that I think are really important for the city in the Third Ward, um, electrical vehicles at uh, the golf course, uh, behavioral support for our police officers, um, safety improvements in terms of uh, streets and traffic um, on Burton between Buchanan and Breton, um, as well as additional housing units that we know that are needed. Um, I also want to lastly um, invite you all we have I think about 40 boards and commissions that residents and even non-residents are able to serve upon that really get to a lot of the crux of some of the issues that you all are bringing up. And we have about, I think, over 30 openings right now, over 30 openings. And so I really want to invite you all to take a look to see if you are interested where your skills and your advocacy might be able to uh, be of use on some of those uh, mostly volunteer uh, boards and commissions with the city. So I uh, just want to kind of leave with that invitation. If you want to learn more, myself, Commissioner Yassassi, and Commissioner Robbins are all on uh, that appointments committee. So thank you all again. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Yassassi. Thank you, Mayor. Um, thank you all for coming out this evening. Um, appreciate the shout out for the appointments piece. You know, uh, it's the eight o'clock meeting, so we kick off the day. Um, my first uh, volunteer role for the city was in 2006 on our Civilian Appeals Board. And I just encourage employers, too, if you're looking for ways for your um, employees, uh, nonprofits, wherever you might be, that's a, a great um, opportunity to connect and to learn more about the city and to give back. Um, I wanted to say um, just thank you for those that came out. Ms. Hampton, thank you for sharing your thoughts from the, um, there you are, <laughs> from um, the, the town halls that were held. Um, we heard about those and heard about the engagement. And I think the good news is you're coming to this meeting. We just received a briefing today. City staff um, provided us some, uh, a lot of good answers to the questions that we had today. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, my comment at the end of that was to really bring back an ordinance for our review and consideration. So thank you for sharing that perspective. Also thank you to the economic development uh, team, to Mr. Gracia, uh, for sharing some of the pieces around our economic development tools. I think that was, um, I think it's helpful. The reality is I was looking at one of the presentation pieces and I think the grid was like a five by five, a lot of detail, a lot of consideration. Um, I think it's up to us to, you know, to be transparent and, but also recognize that we may not all agree on um, how these, you know, maybe support or not support for how tools are used. And I think that's sort of the next arena that we have. Um, 
you know, that will certainly play out in these next steps, um, but appreciate that additional feedback. And then <laughs> in terms of additional ways to connect in with the city, um, Commissioner Purdue talked about the appointments process, but also I think at the, the door coming in, Ms. Turkelson, I saw here earlier and others, um, our master planning engagement process are starting to begin. So please take a look for that. Um, a lot of different organizations are working together to make sure that happens in a lot of different ways. So I encourage you to be uh, part of that 20-year process. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner O'Connor. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I think uh, <clears throat> a few things. First, uh, just as it relates to the conversation around uh, the in-house community in our community in Grand Rapids. I know we were supposed to have an update today on public safety, but uh, unfortunately, due to an illness of one of our key presenters, we did postpone that meeting. We're hoping to reschedule that for the next time we're all uh, together here for for commission. And I look forward to that uh, ongoing dialogue. I know there's been a lot of frustration about uh, the communications that were shared uh, about a month ago. Uh, but I, you know, well, we may not have we we we've talked a lot about that, but I I, I feel like there's been at least in my personal life, in, in dealing with my colleagues, with folks, service providers, with folks operating in the space to, to assist with uh, housing and the unhoused. I feel like we've had better conversations and more substantive dialogue about the challenges that operate within those systems. And it's, it's really forced, I think, a more robust conversation that I'm, I'm you know, actually really happy that we're having. Uh, it's, I think, moved helped move the conversation along and I hope that there's going to be, you know, substantive changes that come about and, you know, I don't think it's going to be the changes that we're asked for, but I think it's going to actually, we're actually going to maybe have some real frank discussions we've been, you know, probably avoiding having for a long time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that this is just, a, this was a, a kickoff point to, to something better for people in Grand Rapids. Uh, I wanted to just say thanks to the, the city manager and uh, our economic development department today for providing the, the update around the economic development tools we have in Grand Rapids. I think that was something we asked for for a while and I feel like it was a really uh, a great framing of what tools are in our toolbox and how they can be utilized and uh, you know, I don't think that's the end of those discussions. I think there's certainly questions we're waiting to have uh, some, more, some more answers to but I feel like it was a great place for all of us as commissioners and for the community to just learn how those tools uh, exist and why they exist and what they can be used for and you know what leverage points they play on I think my my next ask will be uh, maybe you know when I first became a commissioner I sat down with a couple of my colleagues here and a, a nonprofit housing provider uh, and a construction company and they kind of laid out a pro forma for a, a, a for-profit and, and a low-income housing tax credit project and how that all works and where the push points are at and you know how much it costs per to build it and where the capital stack lines up and how it gets financed. And it was a really, in, you know, I think one of the more valuable things I've had the privilege of learning about as a commissioner that really helped inform a lot of the decision making I've made over the last seven years as a commissioner. You know, just as we were talking tonight with, uh, with uh, you know, the, the proposal for the NEZ in the Brownfield, I started, you know, just doing some, some basic math in that conversation, right? It's a 17 million dollar, 17 and a half million dollar project. It's got about 50,000 square foot of, uh, uh, square footage between the two buildings that equates to roughly to three hundred and fifty dollars a square foot. Uh, you know, by the time you apply a, a brownfield tax credit, which is dollars they have to expend, but may re that will recoup if they do all their things. You know, that may lower the price per square foot down to three hundred and twenty-three dollars a square foot. Uh, but there's a you know there's a there's a gap then that exists, right? If we want to get things to a certain AMI price point so that people can afford them and they can reach a certain threshold based on income limits, there's a there's a gap that exists, and those are you know. Based on the tools that we have in our toolbox that we all learned about today, the city, as a as a as a participant in that marketplace, doesn't have enough 
tool in the toolbox to be able to, to make up that difference, right? So we need, you know, I see, well, thank you, for, Senator, for being here. You know, we rely on state, state help, right? Like low-income housing tax credits are a state-run program, and the reason that we can get low-income housing tax credit uh, projects built in Grand Rapids is because the state provides a tool that allows a developer to access that tool based on certain qualifications so that they can make up the difference. And, you know, it, it, uh, looking at those units, an 800 square foot unit costs, you know, somewhere between 260 dollars and $285,000 per unit to build. Uh, and yet, you know, you market, you, you put that in a mortgage for 30 years and you amortize that out if you're buying a single family house. Like, what does that come out per month? It's way more than anything in the, you know, the, the AMI structure that people are asking for. So we've got to make up that difference. And again, we as the city of Grand Rapids don't have enough tools in our toolbox to do that. We, I, I think we'd all love to be able to just, you know, reach into the coffers and find that money to be able to, to make that magically appear, but we don't have that. So, you know, I think it's, that's a, I think that's the next discussion. I think I'd really like to, to for all of us to be able to wrap our hands around is how does that capital stack work? How does a project go from, you know, idea in my head or idea in someone's head to reality? And what does that look like? So that we all know what we're, when we're, when we're, you know, either supportive or dismissive of, of some sort of uh, financing mechanism, um, a financing mechanism, that we know what we can and can't do and how we can and can't make something come to life. And I think, you know, every project can't, and I used to say this to one of our colleagues that, who I love dearly, uh, you know, every project in Grand Rapids can't solve every problem, right? Like some projects are gonna solve some problems really well and some projects are gonna solve other problems really well, but not every project can solve all of our, you know, all of our concerns. And so I hope we get to a point where we can, you know, start asking the right questions and then hopefully be able to ask our, our partners in Lansing for help that we can't provide. Uh, Commissioner Knight. Well, I'm all the way down here at the end, and it seems like everybody said everything I was going to say, almost, but I'm never without words. Uh, thank you all uh, for your time and uh, coming out tonight and um, sharing your thoughts. Um, a lot of the things that were brought to our attention uh, tonight during public comment were things that we had talked about um, during the day, and there are always questions, I think, that myself and, and my new um, compadres uh, on this commission uh, are constantly asking questions about how we can do better as a community and um, uh, thank you uh, Commissioner O'Connor for uh, those statements um, you know every project can't uh, solve every problem uh, but I will always say we can do better um, there are opportunities and we need to step back and think about how we can be uh, a little more creative um, to be able to afford uh, $1,100 for 400 square feet, um, that's tight um, for anybody, right? Um, and if it's only catering to um, people that are working over at Mary Freebed, um, then it's not really catering to the people who lived in that community. And I grew up uh, in that space at Franklin and Union. Um, matter of fact, I covered all of Grand Rapids at one point in time in my life. Um, so I understand the pain points. And, and some of the things that I have been sitting here uh, thinking about is, well, what is the average income of people that live in that area? Because there was um, a, a link that was in that document um, that showed uh, income and writ limits. Um, from across, uh, published by the Michigan uh, State Housing Development Authority, um, 
but I'm still wondering what income they were going off of, right, to come up with these numbers because it's, it's hard for me to uh, figure that out when you're spending $14,000 or a little bit more um, just on rent for a studio apartment when you have other things that you have to take care of, such as insurance and food and clothing for your children. And if you have to pay for your health insurance, what that might cost, right? And if you're paying for student loans, oh, my God, right? How do you live? How do you take care of your family? How do you support them and still be able to have some type of peace so that you can get through day to day? I understand that struggle because I've been in it before. And so we have to do better. Everything isn't for everybody, and I know we have to work to try to build up our community better, but we need to make sure that we're not pushing them out and that we're helping people have access to the things that they need so that they can live healthy and successful lives. Um, so I thank you all for your uh, support. I thank you for giving us a little bit of grace uh, here tonight because um, we're still working our way through the stuff. Um, but we hope to connect with you all and continue to have these conversations so we can do better as a community. All right. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Roberts. Yeah, thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, as Commissioner Knight alluded, I know she talked a lot about the complexity of many of these issues. I know I'm learning a lot, and I, I don't think that I'm alone in um, knowing that there are so many moving pieces to wrap our minds around. And so um, one thing I want to be intentional about as a commissioner and as you know, part of this body is to you know, how can we better equip the rest of our constituents to engage in those conversations? And I think that that starts with us, you know, giving more resources um, to learn how those work. And so I did want to say thank you to Mr. Gracia and the resources he provided today. I know that was very helpful to myself um, and my colleagues. So if there is, you know, any other thing similar to that or within that vein that you think, you know, the city or us as a body can supply um, to help you know, better facilitate these conversations, um, please reach out to me because I'm very passionate about the issue and would love to be a part of um, making that happen. So thank you all for coming and I hope to see you soon. Thanks. Commissioner Moody. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I think my colleagues have really basically said it all. But there's one thing that I want to focus on, and that is the fact that when we talk about lead-based paint, this morning Mrs. Bohatch gave us a very comprehensive study and a uh, plan on what the city is doing in reference to lead-based paint. Uh, in the third ward, yes, it is the highest and is also high in the first ward as well. But I think what's most important is that we continue to finance. My colleague, uh, previous colleague, Commissioner Lanier, made it very clear that lead-based lead painted homes must be a priority. And I think the city has taken the lead in making sure that that is taking place. I think we've taken the lead in the state of Michigan. Uh, so I think as we continue to move forward with removing lead-based paint from homes, uh, we will see education gets better among children. We will see that no other person is, is diagnosed with being uh, uh, filled with lead-based within their body, within their system. Uh, so I think that we're on the verge of making some significant changes in the city of Grand Rapids along with that. Now, as far as the lead-based pipes are concerned, I'm still studying that. I think that's something that uh, I personally want to take a much more closer look at. But I think the city is still on the move of making changes within its infrastructure to making our city better. And I appreciate that you guys are giving us an opportunity to do that. Thank you. Thank you. City Clerk? Nothing tonight. City Attorney? Nothing. Uh, city Manager? Thank you, um, Mayor and, and Commissioners, for your work today. And um, what people see is the very 
um, the amount of scrutiny that you offer publicly, but I know that you all are working very hard off uh, dais to really examine the issues and uh, come very prepared for the meeting. And so I appreciate the work. I also appreciate uh, the work of the staff, uh, as you've heard today, and the, the public here tonight. I do want to, uh, just to clarify that, unfortunately, today we had... Um, a briefing schedule to discuss um, how we continue to address uh, members of our house community and increase housing supply, housing um, affordability. And we had uh, two presenters who are working very close uh, with uh, the housing ecosystem. And unfortunately, uh, one was um, unable to attend because of uh, COVID infection. So we're rescheduling that briefing, and it appears that it will be rescheduled to February 7th um, at 1230 tentatively. We're going to replace our normal economic um, development project team with the public safety meeting or have some combination of both. We'll figure it out. Um, but uh, what one does uh, have an impact on the other. The other, I, I do want to also uh, thank the staff for the work today on uh, discussing uh, the overview of the various incentive programs that we have and how to have um, development without displacement. I heard that uh, conversation or that discussion today and making sure that uh, it is as inclusive as possible when looking at some of the uh, needs of a growing city and growing community. And also, um, as uh, you heard before, I want to clarify that uh, our issue is lead-based uh, paint in homes, and as it affects um, young children in terms of the, the in, uh, blood infection rate that we have and uh, that the, lead, the water quality in Grand Rapids continues to uh, be among the uh, highest uh, in terms of ratings in across the state of Michigan. And uh, our issue is, uh, again, when it comes to lead, lead, lead in pipes, but we intend not only to continue to um, implement uh, preventive measures in both programs, for both lead paints, and I think you heard today the briefing, we've been doing this with our federal funding for some years, and uh, but we know that federal funding has uh, not been sufficient to address all the inventory, and so we also are going to prioritize on our state agenda, uh, Senator, for here, and seeing if uh, there's a way to get additional assistance uh, to uh, do more homes, and we are going to um, bring forth the ordinance that this commission has uh, asked for today and we'll be thoughtful in how we bring that forward and uh, ensure that we don't have uh, displacement with any um, rem rem remediation uh, in terms of uh, the homes. And so thank you again and um, have a good night. Thank you, City Manager. Um, I'll just add a, a couple things. Uh, I know my colleagues brought it up already, but I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, updating our community master plan is a really significant process and an important process, and I encourage everyone to get involved in that. We do have a number of meetings coming up out in the community uh, to kick that off, but it, it is a... Uh, process that will continue throughout the year and community engagement is so critical as we plan for growth in our community. Uh, so I hope you will, will be able to attend some of those meetings that are coming up. 
Uh, I'll add my uh, strong support for updating our property maintenance code to include lead inspections. This has been a priority of mine for a long time. And, and then how we couple that with making sure that we have resources so that these properties um, can be updated where lead is eliminated and children aren't exposed to lead is really a priority for this entire body and, uh, and our team, our city team. And then the last thing about uh, housing, and Senator, I'm so glad you're here tonight. You know, the low-income housing tax credit uh, program that Commissioner O'Connor talked about is an important program that is needed to offset the cost of low-income housing. Unfortunately, in our state, there's only a pot of money available for that, and it's an extremely competitive process. I'm very grateful, Grand Rapids, we were just awarded two uh, in this last round. Uh, but the process is that there's a round each year, and far more applications are put in than are uh, that are, then are awarded, uh, and that's the case every single year. So it, it shows the huge need and uh, the limited resources at the state level to support those, those projects. And so my hope is that we'll be able to work with the state to take a look at that and figure out what we need to do. There's a new director at MISHTA who will be overseeing that, those programs. I'm excited to meet with her uh, and see how we can work together. Uh, and Senator, I'm grateful you're here tonight. I've known you for a long time. We've worked together on a lot of important issues from public transit to supporting veterans to green space, public spaces to housing. Uh, and I look forward to continuing to work with you uh, and think about what we can do to address some of the issues actually that you heard tonight, whether it's around lead or housing um, or a whole host of other issues that are important to our community. Um, so thank you for being here and for your service. And I know uh, some of us will probably see you tomorrow uh, in Lansing as well. So with that, we are adjourned.